This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome into the Wednesday edition of Spits and Suds. Thank you for joining us today. I'm Gavin Spittle of 105.3 The Fan, and joining me is all-around NHL expert. He's the associate editor of EP Rinkside, publisher of Shap Shots. He's our own Sean Shapiro. How are you today? I'm good. I'm good. I uh, It's uh, kind of, uh, we talked on Monday, but just kind of you're like in that like week past Thanksgiving, December starts tomorrow. It's kind of, uh, hockey season is obviously, we know it's been hockey season since October, but just there's always something about kind of moving into the holiday season in December and going to the rink and everything. There's something special about it. So it's, it's just kind of one of those exciting times at the rink right now, as, as, as silly and cheesy as that sounds, it's just kind of having that feeling today. Yeah. And I think kind of caught, um, a, a little bit by surprise, uh, big news yesterday in that mm-hmm. the Stars inked Rope Hints to a long-term contract, and he will be a Dallas Star for the next eight years. Yeah, it's um, it's a deal where, for me, like I look at this deal and I think there's there's two. I know I know Jim Nill did his best to to deny the fact of it, but I I think it's a, it's a deal where both sides kind of saw what happened with Jason Robertson last year um, because of uh, obviously Robertson missed all of camp and and then, then signed and everything. And I like that. And I think from Hintz's standpoint, he wanted to get something done during the season. He kind of wanted to um, now remember he's a little bit older than Jason. So he only had one year of RFA left. So it's not like he could have done a There wouldn't really would have been a bridge deal option anyway for that, but um, I think it was something where Hints really kind of wanted to get something done during the season. The stars wanted to get something done during the season. They kind of wanted to make this a, uh, a, a late November discussion where we're talking about how good of a deal they did, as opposed to the drama that, uh, that could have been unfolding in, in, as they get close to the deadline and in the off season and everything like that, this is just, it was a smart piece of business for both sides. Um, I think there's uh, obviously everyone's given the victory lap from a star's perspective right now, which just saying like, Oh, they locked up a top 10, 15 center in the NHL for 80.45 million yep. for eight years, which is great, which is great. But I also think it's uh it's also a bit of a win for hints too, for a guy who, um, his body has been, he's been, he's been good and obviously, but Rope Hints 
has been a bit injury prone at times, has plays a physical style that's reliant on speed. And I think he gets a bit of that security that his body may not necessarily provide in his style. He's not like a Joe Pavelski type where Joe Pavelski's game aged because it wasn't built on his physical tools. And Rope Hintz's game isn't built partially on his physical tools. So he gets some job security. So good, good deal for both sides. And, um, from a Dallas perspective, it takes away a lot of the drama of who is the core that you're building around. Um, and not that, not that you didn't know that hints was part of that, but now it just adds more kind of solidity to it's Jason Robertson. It's Rope Hintz. It's Miro Heishkin. It's Jake Ottinger. That's the core four and everything else we build on top of now. And you mentioned the injury history and a few years back, he played in 60 games and then 41 games last year, a big bounce back season playing in uh, 80 games. Um, so he showed that, you know, he could be healthy for a year, but those questions absolutely do linger because of the style he plays. You're absolutely right. And anytime you sign someone to a long-term contract, it's like, wow, what's this going to be? Um, some other contract details that you may not know listening out there is the first year is a regular contract and then it moves to a no movement clause. So um, not that I would think that they'd want to move him um, as they want to sign their core, but um, you know, they do have a bunch of contracts on no movement clauses, which does make it a little tougher, obviously to uh, move the player. So uh, I guess my question is Sean and like, I think it's a fair contract for both sides. I, I agree with you. And, uh, you know, he certainly has become one of the better centers in the league um, with uh, still upside potential. Um, I guess my question is, is now you have the Sagan contract, the Ben contract, you have the Haskinen contract, uh, Robertson's over seven now, and now you add this. My only question was down the line. Um, as I was telling someone yesterday, it's the right thing to do. It's awesome that all the youngsters like Jake Ottinger are, are getting signed up for multi-year deals. But at some point, you're going to have to say goodbye to someone, correct? Yeah, I, and, but I think there's also a natural um, progression in how this goes. I mean, it's the... Frankly, if you want an example of to win a Stanley Cup, you have to hit everything at a proper time with your cap stuff. Colorado Avalanche last year, a perfect example. They won the Stanley Cup. They had they were able to have Nazem Kadri and Val Nichushkin. Yep. Now Val needed to be paid this summer and Val needed to pay, be paid this summer and Kadri wanted another big deal. And so you couldn't keep them both. And it's kind of from the stars perspective, like you look at their, I'm pulling up, looking at their cap friendly page right now. Amazing site, isn't it? <laughs> exactly. It's amazing. Just to look the year by year, the stuff that sets up well for Dallas um, is the deal for Robertson, the, the deal for Robertson and the deal for Ottinger both take you to the end and it's crazy to think we're getting close to the end of this but both of them are right around the end of the jamie ben contract and if you're talking about all of a sudden in 25 26 9.5 million dollars comes off the cap for jamie ben all of a sudden that's 9.5 that can be split between 
Jake Ottinger and, and, and Jason Robertson. It's, it's actually set up pretty well in that standpoint. I know. And that's kind of, it's kind of one of those spaces where people is, people are going to be kind of, it's kind of weird to hear that, that we're entering the final, especially with how well he's playing right now. The fact that we're entering the final three years, of that Jamie Ben contract and where it's going, like it is set up well where the stars are ready to move Jamie Ben's money to this next core. And, and they've set it up well for that. Obviously, there's will be another discussion of what Jamie Ben's worth and whether he should be brought in at that time. But this is you're seeing the pivoting of the core financially to this group. And you're also going to see, I think, a bit of the uh some of the decisions, some of the other decisions I think you're going to have made on a guy like Erratic Fox. Uh do I mean, like the stars have been trying to figure out what to we've talked about him quite a bit yeah. on this podcast here. Like, yeah. like like he's still making 3.25 million next season and the following season. Yeah. And so you start to try to find how can you, how can you make that work? What can you do? I mean, it's it, the other one, the other key one is just, and he's been a healthy scratch lately. And I mean, he's been hurt and he's been having just kind of all sorts of rough year, but like it's been the, the line for Dennis Gurionov just keeps getting the, the string of the chance to be worth it and not be moved out becomes less and less for Dennis Gurionov. Um, I think that the biggest thing for the stars right now that they've done that is, that is good is they have in theory, and I'm not saying all three will be on the same line, but in theory, you start thinking about the future and you think about, you have Wyatt Johnston playing in the NHL right now. Very well. Mm -hmm. You have Maverick Bork who's playing in the AHL right now, having a pretty good season. And you have, um, Logan Stankoven down playing in the WHL. All three of them are going to be still on entry-level deals over the next two to three years. And you think, in theory, you have the pieces to start moving on from other pieces. And you have, and just like imagine two years from now, just hypothetical, hopeful thing. You could have an entire line of Johnston, Stankoven, and, and Bork for about 2.6 million on one line. And that is the type of line you need to win a Stanley Cup because you need a line making that much while you're paying everyone else the big bucks. And it's, it's it's a good thing that Dallas has those pieces in the hopper seemingly on the way. And you just have to hope it does that. Yeah, I think I think that was one of the things, you know, Chicago's cup runs were so impressive. And, you know, Taves and Kane got signed to long-term deals. A couple others uh, did as well. And you know, just the youth development just wasn't there. So um, I agree. You can have these big contracts, but that youth development, which hasn't happened in the past for the Stars, but is happening now. And I'm so glad you mentioned Stankoven and, and Bork. And the other name um, that has been slower to develop than a lot of people thought is Thomas Harley. And that would certainly help the back end as far as salary. And, you know, candidly, that's a a first round pick that you want to see, you know, pan out. So um, those names out there, and I think it, it is interesting to watch the development in juniors and then um, watch yeah. the development in the AHL level, because that's going to help you not only as far as cap space to fit everyone on the roster, but the cap flexibility to bring in that piece that takes you over the top, specifically at the trade deadline. Uh, one of those pieces that, you know, a, a vet who can come into the room um, and, you know, command a presence, so to speak, and 
and, and might not necessarily. I mean, just a just a gritty guy on the ice. You know, you look at like you mentioned Colorado, for example, and you know Cogliano was a strong pickup for them. You know, I know a lot of Stars fans didn't like him, but he gelled with that team. And so, you know, pieces like that that you can say, okay, this is what you know we need. And I'll be fascinated to see the Stars like as they continue because one of the issues I can see happening is the physicality on the blue line. So I'm fascinated to see as the rink shrinks, as we get closer to playoff time, can the stars hold up on the, uh, uh, on the back line. So uh, that'll be interesting as well. Yeah, it will be. I mean, the stars defense is that's kind of the one where like you obviously have Hishkinen who you're going to build around for a long time. Um, but it, it is kind of the question becomes from a Dallas perspective um, and it's, they've been, and I think some of these guys will age better than others, but from a Dallas perspective, and obviously you mentioned Harley, you really kind of, you have Nils Lundquist, who I think is, it has had his up and downs. He had the yeah. healthy scratch recently, um, but you, the defense is not, as young as is not young. Like Esselindel's already 28. I mean, Ryan Suter's will has has still has two more years after this season. Like if you're Dallas kind of the next big piece that you need to figure out is the uh, kind of the long-term build on defense. Cause you got Lindell's 28 Suter's 37 Miller's 30 Hockenpah is 30. And I think those guys are fine into their early, into their early thirties, but you really want another piece where like, like a Lundquist where you can be like, Hey, we can count on this guy for three, four years of reliability. And that's, I think the next thing you're looking for from Dallas and you're really hoping it can be Harley. You really want it to be Harley. Um, Cause like I was talking to someone else about this today with just like, you look at the defense, like I think like, I like Grushneskov. I think he has a chance to kind of be something. Um, then you got a, but then he's got a bunch of other guys who are, just guys and i and i don't mean that in a bad way i, mean, I understand you what you're saying career, yeah yeah you can have a career as a just guy like that's what joel hanley like full credit to joel hanley he has made it through the nhl as a just a guy and i just don't see but you can go find a just a guy on waivers you can sign just a guy from an ahl team i just i want this team as they think further to find is thomas harley the answer or do you need another piece to have a top a top four that makes you a long-term contender. That's just kind of yeah. where my, not even pessimistic, but that's just kind of where like my like GM overly playing with long-term machinations thing goes. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. I almost look to and say to myself, if Thomas Harley wasn't a top pick a few years back, is he getting the call up? In other words, if he's a fifth or sixth or a fourth. And, you know, I mean, they they need him to work. Um, yeah, and I think, you know, when 
you know, the it, we see it in all sports when you you get more opportunities if you're a higher pick because they want you to, you know, obviously their jobs are on the line as well, so they want to see the player succeed um, for job security for them as well. And you miss on draft picks, I get it and everything, but um, you know, so it, it's one of those things where if the stars can continue hitting in the draft. Uh, you know, I think the future is, you know, clearly bright because that helps out the uh, the cap situation. I, I wanted to point out the other day the fight by Hanley. And for a guy who doesn't get a lot of playing time, and I agree with you, Sean, he's just a guy that's just been a extra defenseman in the NHL and carved out quite a nice career. But to come out, you know, basically out of the cold where you're wearing a suit every night and, and then dress – and then draw a fight and farewell in that fight, finding a same size opponent. I really felt as though that um, kind of lifted the stars. I mean, you could see the enthusiasm um, with the stick taps; like they were into that fight. And I think when people talk about like, "Oh, fighting needs to be banned" or anything like that, that is a perfect example to me of a fight that changed the mood uh, on the bench for the better. Yeah, I mean, and I'm not going to be, I've always, I've become more and more someone who very rarely do I see a fight that changes the game. Like, I, I think it's, I, and I, I'm not, there should be no fighting. I'm not that person. But I'm also, I, I think it's become a space where the impact of it and what it means and everything like that. I think it gets overplayed a lot. Um, I do think from from when I look at the Hanley fight against uh, against Nathan Walker, the thing for me that I think always brings the fights that send the most message or energize a bench or, or whatever, right? To me, it's the ones where guys, it's the team, it's it's the guy like a Hanley who can elevate the bench because it's hard for me. Like I know people always love when Jamie Ben fights and he steps up and everything like that. But from my perspective, I don't want Jamie Ben fighting unless that other player is also making $9 million a year. Just per just personally, just personally, I don't look sure. at, and this is something, and this is something Brent, Brent Severn and I have talked about this at length before. Like you shouldn't fight out of your pay grade. Well, Joel Hanley's in the lowest pay grade and he's doing a little bit of everything to stay in the lineup, to bring energy to the team. And if that gets the bench going and he gets the bench going that way, that's great. He should do that. And to me, that is how kind of fighting in today's NHL can have an impact on the energy. It's something where it's a guy who steps up and does something uncommon. It's like when you see like a, it's just it's like, like, you know, when you see like that, like defensive, that defensive forward score a goal or that, that stay at home defenseman score a goal. Everyone gets really excited about it. It's like when someone does something uncommon for a team, I think that really drives a group and drives the energy. And that's what Joel Hanley did by stepping in and, and fighting against Nathan Walker. And, and that's kind of what you want more and more of as a coach. If you can see your team taking uncommon steps for their teammates, it's, you can't help, but not build on it. Now, once again, I'm not the blanket. There should be fighting. There shouldn't be fighting. I think there's a gray area. But personally, I think what happened with Joel Hanley and Nathan Walker, I think it was actually that was one that worked well for the Stars. You, you can't complain about it. It was I'm I'm happy with it. And normally I'm someone who does complain about fighting because I think there are a lot of times there's been players who take fights that they shouldn't. And that is that was not the case with what Joel had with, with Joel in this case. Yeah, I, I think another case is 
Saturday night, uh, Vancouver putting it on Vegas in Vegas, 5 nothing deep into the third period. Got really chippy. Um, and Josh Dakota of the Canucks could have just said, nah, man, I'm good. As soon as he took that fight against Vegas, the chippiness ended for the rest of the game. And you and I both know yeah. when the scores get to 5 nothing and everything, that, to me, increases the percentage of injuries because that's when things get really chippy and dangerous. Yeah, that's when uh, it used to be. And, and the NHL, you, and now those type of fights end everything. And that's that's the difference between where we are, where I think we should be, and where we used to be. It used to be it's 3 nothing in the third period. Okay, I'm grabbing a guy in the next shift, and it just kept, it keeps escalating. I think we are at a good spot where one can end it. And, and can kind of end that chippiness and kind of simmer everything down as opposed to escalating further as it used to. And I think that's kind of an evolution of the game, and I think that's a good thing. Yeah, no, I, I, I totally agree. You know, one, the Rope Hence does bring up uh, the Bo Horvat contract, which he's up after this year for the mm-hmm. Vancouver Canucks, and I think the captain's going to get a pretty good payday. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah, yes, <laughs> especially with the, with the bounce-back year he's having. Uh, 17 yeah. goals on the year. So I, 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 for some, I'm kind of a nerd about the contracts and cap friendly helps me with this and stuff. I, I just love looking at how much players left, you know, because it really does give you an indication of what you can compare it to. And the, uh, the other, the other one too, that people are forgetting and he's having an absolute tremendous year and people forget they're the same age because he's been there. He feels like he's been there forever and he's the captain, but Dylan Larkin is oh, having yeah. a tremendous year. Is having a tremendous year and is a UFA this summer, and he's making he's only making six point one million. And I think a lot I think a lot of people at first glance would be surprised when I tell you Dylan Larkin and Rope Hints are the same age, but just that's how long Larkin's had an impact in Detroit already. Yeah, he is. He is. Uh, he's going to get a bag. So <laughs> I mean, he's probably at least top ten underrated players in the NHL as far as. Don't really think of him that often, but just the consistency year after year. And he's been so he's been really good this year too. He's been like I think he's got some somewhere around twenty four points in twenty one games or something like that. Like you talk about the contract year bump, and I don't know if it's that or whatever, but either way, like he's gonna get paid. Man, if team <laughs> if teams are stocks, I'm invested in the Detroit Red Wings. Yeah, uh, I really am. I mean, I, I love God. As soon as Steve Eiserman was announced, I said, oh, okay, here we go. Detroit's going to be back. You know, I just, I just love it and just the moves that they've made. And, I, you know, I'm excited because anytime an original six can come back, it's good for hockey. Yeah. So that, that'll be good. All right. Uh, before we uh, wrap up today, let's look to ahead uh, to uh, Anaheim, an interesting squad with some amazing young talent. However... <laughs> Rough team this year, and leading that charge, unfortunately, is uh, John Klingberg with one of the uh, worst plus minuses in the uh, league, which is unfortunate. Uh, uh, you know, I always try to think of the the player, um, a player that was going to get a um, solid multi year contract, thought he could get more, um, took a chance, and uh, right now on the losing end. Yeah, and I don't. It's going to be interesting to see where he ends up to because I, I I feel pretty confident John Klingberg will be traded in season. He'll he'll go to I agree. He'll go he'll go to a contender, um, probably on retained salary. Basically, the Ducks signing him. They knew what they were doing. 
they basically signed him with the concept of they were basically buying it. They knew they were buying a draft pick by yep. signing John Klingberg. That's really what the Ducks did. It was a really good piece of business by Pat Verbeek, um, who I think is, uh, I think has, if you can be patient, I think he has the Ducks on the right track, but you just have to be patient there. Um, he, um, but the Klingberg, it's, it's kind of, there is a bit of lovely irony in the fact that the stars went and signed Rope Hints to avoid all drama um, the day before John Klingberg is on, gets on a plane back to Dallas after what we all saw yeah. last season. So yep. I, think, I think there's a bit of lovely irony there. Um, the Ducks are, they've, they're one of those teams right now because of their personnel that they're kind of like a, they're, they're like one of my, like, it's not an NHL TV anymore. It's ESPN plus or whatever. Right. But like, they're one of my, like, and I used to call them like my NHL TV teams where it'd be like, I'm flipping around. And if that team's playing, I'm probably sticking on that. that that's one of the games I'm checking out just because not because they're good, but because of their personnel and the way they play, there tends to be some excitement in the game. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of, that's kind of what the ducks are. And they, they, they play in exciting games. They're not usually on the winning end of exciting games, but they play exciting games. And, and I think they've got some guys who are going through a bit of a learning curve and learning the league. Like, for example, as much as uh, as much as an exciting as Trevor Zegers is, I think there's still so many elements of his game where he's no longer um, he's no longer an outsider, right? Like he's no longer this player where what he's doing is out of the realm of. So teams now know what he's going to do, and so it kind of becomes more of he's he's getting more um he's getting checked a bit more he's getting teams know what to expect with him and the ducks are just kind of going through that learning curve but while they're doing that it's exciting in the process now hopefully if you're a ducks fan you understand that it's part of the process if it's something where you're looking for something more right now it's probably a bit frustrating um to me the one thing that i always love about watching the ducks and stars play because it just seems to always happen is and and is you're going to see John Gibson face like 75 shots and eventually it'll be like five <laughs> minutes into the third period. You'll have that moment where the stars will score on like the fourth or fifth rebound that wasn't cleared. And John Gibson will just look at the scoreboard and just be on one knee and he'll just be like, why, what am I doing here? Like yeah. that, that feels, it feels like that happens every single time the stars and ducks play. You get John Gibson goes all world for like 45 minutes yeah. until finally something breaks and it's like, what am I doing here? Why, why, why am I here? Why, it's 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 very tough to justify my argument that he is really good goalie, <laughs> yes. just because of the team. Yes. But I'm like, I'm telling you, this guy's a good goalie. He has been for a yeah. long time. Mm-hmm. He is a good goalie. So. Yeah, yeah. I I mean, I had them fighting for the wild card last year. They were in it for a while, and then they just went away. The one thing about the John Klingberg is, is that I believe. The one-year deal included a no-trade contract until after January. So uh, through January, through January one. Yeah, was, through January yeah, one. Yeah. So yeah, so, I totally agree with you. That was done for um, the trade reason, and it was very smart. And uh, yeah. I think there absolutely will be a team because um, he is a. I, in this case, I don't really look at the plus-minus. Uh, I think he's a playmaking, you know, power play defenseman that I think can bring value to a potential contender. We, uh, while we're here, real quick, just because literally while we were recording this came out, I think it's just an interesting thing. Oh, okay. When you talk, when you talk about bad contracts, yeah, and 
things like that. So the LA Kings have placed Cal Peterson on waivers today, and he's in year one of a five million dollar per year contract oh. with an eight with an eight sixty eight save percentage. So um, if you ever wanted to talk, we talked earlier in the week about Stars goaltending and things like that. Like the Kings basically. <laughs> But a fi- had to waive a five million dollar a year goalie today. So just uh, always keep that in perspective whenever you're, uh, whenever you're getting worried about about uh, whether where where your dollars are going with Jake Ottinger. <laughs> one would absolutely, uh, one would absolutely guess that that will clear waivers. <laughs> yes. So. <laughs> I was trying to think of the L.A. Kings player that uh, I'm looking him up right now. I I, I need to know this. Um, that was in the same, uh, I want to say the same draft year as uh, Haskinen. Oh, um, Velarde. Yeah. Gave Velarde up. Yeah. You know, he was slower to develop, but, uh, you know, doing pretty well for them now. Yeah. Yeah. He had a good start to the year. Yeah. Yeah, they're an interesting team. Um, And who knew Seattle? Uh, I mean, God. I watched Vegas last week and they were in command. And then all of a sudden over the weekend, Seattle goes into Vegas wins. Vancouver goes into Vegas wins. So that, that, that uh, gambling slump as far as, uh, you know, not having your legs cause you were out the night before. I just don't think that's the case. Yeah. I mean, so sure. that, yeah, absolutely. Well, Sean, thank you so much for filling in for Craig Ludwig, who is uh on the road with his team, practicing and doing a whole bunch of other things. And uh, thanks for your perspective on the Rope Hints contract. I think it's a it's a very interesting one, and it, it's it's fascinating to see, you know, the stars locking up their core members and their youth for uh, years to come. So really appreciate you joining us today. For sure, it's always fun. That's going to do it for another edition of. Spits and Suds. I'm Gavin Spittle of 105.3 The Fan. Thanks to Sean Shapiro for joining us. And we'll be back on Friday with another podcast to recap the Ducks game right here on The Fan.